Zach Wilson, I think, can actually be a league winner, right? Like, I think that Zach Wilson can actually be that go-to guy. And, you know, you probably made that – you probably got that championship belt last year, right? We oh, went yeah. from, Kings? from trophies yeah. – dude, the Kings belt. Like, that. I saw that belt. I didn't realize how heavy that belt was. That's a big sucker, man. You see the picture I tweeted my grandma with it? <laughs> no, I missed that. That's awesome. It was was so she able funny. to pick it up, or did you have to like put it on like her shoulder? She was outside, and she's like freaking ninety. Like she was outside just watering the flowers, and I was like, "Oh, Oma, like come look at this belt real quick." I was just gonna show it to her, and she takes it and throws it on her shoulder, and is like, "Walking <laughs> Dude, around that thing's with like forty five pounds like, or something." I, know. I was That's like, heavy. "I was like, Oma, that thing weighs half your freaking size. Like, what are you doing?" 10 out of 10 for me, man. That shit was legit. I We did a bulk order, I think, because like the past champions were able to uh, apply for it. So yep. it was a hundred bucks each, man. Hey, I, you know, I, I lose a hundred bucks on a, on a regular UFC card trying to trying to bet on whatever's going on. So at least that one gets to uh, stay in my mantle for a while. So trophysmack.com. Dude, they got these trophies that are like three or four feet tall. Like they're insane. You can get one with, like fishbowls on it. You can get one with like bobbleheads on it. It is sick, man. You guys got to go check out trophysmack.com. I mean, you heard it. Ian didn't even know. And he literally vouched for the company without even knowing the news vouching for it. Go check out trophysmack.com. While you're there, go enter in promo code CIRCLE. Once again, that's promo code CIRCLE. You will get a free ring valued at 60 bucks. So go check out trophysmack.com. Go enter in the promo code CIRCLE to get your free ring. Intervention. Now here to intervene with your fantasy life, Chase Vernon. Welcome on in, everybody, to yes, another episode of Fantasy Intervention. Oh, we are here. We are stoked about week 13 and the waiver wires. We brought a guest with us. So first off, let me introduce my co-host. Of course, it's Britt Flynn. Let me actually switch up here, Britt. We got Britt Flynn in the show with us tonight, as we do every single Tuesday. You can find her at Britt underscore Flynn over there on Twitter. What's going on, Britt? How you doing? Oh, I'm so good. Except for these allergies. If you guys see me like dab in my eye, my eye won't stop watering. So, <laughs> but everything's cool. I'm ready to talk about waivers because this week's juicy. All right. And then we have, of course, Steve. What's up, Steve? How you doing, man? What's going on, Chase? Glad to be back again. I was only here a couple of days ago, but uh, now we have to do something different besides starting sets. So uh, I'm excited to talk some waivers tonight. Yeah, man, this is this is interesting because week 13, there are so many different directions people are going, right? Like I've seen like the starter sits and, you know, I write my article over there. If you guys want to find it over there at trophysmack.com, go to the smack zone. And all I do is I talk shit about people's waiver wire suggestions. I mean, I don't call anybody out in particular, but I mean, I have to sit there and trash somebody's waiver wire pickups because some of them are so absurd. And so we decided to, you know, kind of bring this into the the, the discussion on Tuesday nights. And we started out with, you know, some obvious pickups guys. We're not going to spend a ton of time on, you know, obviously you're going to go after them. Like Alexander Madison. I don't want to get too far ahead on the show sheet, but Alexander Madison's probably on there. 
you know, meanwhile, we trash these other players. We're like, we don't want anything to do with them. And then we finish it up with some gems or some late rounders that people might not be thinking about, but you might be able to get a little bit of a head start in terms of trying to pick them up before the, uh, the waivers or, you know, before other people go after them in a week ahead of time on waivers. So let's go ahead and start this show off. And I want to start this off with a message from Hunter Hall. If you guys have any questions, by the way, get them in the chat. We want to see them. We want to try and answer your questions. So if you have any questions, please bring them in the chat. Start or sit is for tomorrow night. However, we are talking waivers. So anything waiver related, bring it in here for us. But Hunter over there said his team was named, or his team <laughs> named Gutterhose. I was last in 12th and 6th with the same record as 7 and 10. And I play 7th and 8th over the next two games, must win games. I'll be back tomorrow for Star to Sit, of course. I'll see you tomorrow, Hunter. And you're welcome for the advice. All right. And then, oh, man, we actually have a bunch of stuff coming in from him. All right, Hunter, before we get to all your questions, all right, I'm going to get to your next ones, your, your suggestions over here. I want to start it out with a couple of the obvious pickups because, like we talked about, I mean, Alexander Madison is an obvious one to go to. But, Britt, we're going to start out with you in the quarterback position. I mean, what's your first no shit? You should obviously put them on your rosters right off the bat pickup of the week my first one is Taysom Hill we were kind of on him when he came back from the concussion whenever uh, Jameis went out with the ACL whenever Trevor Simeon came in they're just now telling us this week that there was supposedly a foot issue that he's been battling through nobody's really said anything about that um, I think if we would have known that he wouldn't have been on the no shit when he was um, but it looks like he's battled through that um Ian Rappaport reported Monday that Taysom Hill should start on Thursday against Dallas. I love Dallas. Y'all all know that, but they're not the best in allowing deep plays, especially from the quarterbacks. Um, and Hill's averaged 208 and a half passing yards and 52 and a half rushing yards while putting up four passing and four rushing touchdowns over four games in 2020. He also has a really uh, favorable upcoming schedule versus Dallas at the jets at Tampa and then versus Miami. So if you're looking for a quarterback streamer who you can kind of hold on to and help you either make a playoff push or possibly um, get you a playoff buy or even win you your first playoff game, Taysom is definitely in that tier for me. Yeah, I mean, when we look at, at the Cowboys and how they performed up against wide receivers, it's been somewhat decent. However, like you just brought up, I mean, they're allowing an 11% explosive pass play rate which is 29th ranked in the NFL. They've allowed 420 plays to go over 20 yards in the passing game thus far in the season, which is absolutely tremendous. I mean, we're talking about a team that can get beat deep, and what do the Saints try and play? They try and play the deep ball. We talk about Trey Quan Smith. We talk about Marcus Callaway. I mean, these are both options in the deep game. So, Steve, you know, how are you feeling on Taysom Hill? Is he a no-ship pickup for you, or are you definitely picking him up and playing him? Are you yeah, you're a little bit hesitant on this one? And is there another quarterback that you might have in mind? Yeah, no, Brett, no offense. I'm a little hesitant on it, honestly. You know, I like Taysom Hill, and we saw what he was able to do last year for us in fantasy, and it was it was spectacular, especially for fantasy. But his injury with his foot definitely keeps me somewhat concerned. I know the matchup's great, and if he's a full go, I think he's a good pickup, but God forbid something happens to, to him during that game. Does that foot injury stop him from getting that rushing floor that we kind of really like in Taysom Hill? That's that's like my only concern about it, is that is that rushing ability that we all love in him. That, that's my big concern. Um, 
I don't know what you guys do. Do you guys do like over 40, under 40%? What do you, what do you guys do for ownership? I never, I forgot to ask you guys before the show. We're talking about 40, 50%, somewhere in there. I mean, up to 60. We, we want it to be available on most people's waivers. So if we're sitting there and, and thinking that, oh, wait, this guy probably isn't on a ton of waivers because he, you know, he's, he's going to end up getting picked up before then. It's a little bit different story. But yeah, I mean, we're looking at 40, 50% or so. All right. So like I said, um, I don't want to be biased because I'm a Dolphins fan behind me here, but uh, Tua was around 40% last time I looked on Monday night, and he has a matchup against the Giants this week. Giants have been kind of so-so this season against quarterbacks, but you know Tua has been able to perform against you know poor teams this season here, and he seems to be just getting better and better as he's been you know rehabbing or not rehabbing, but healing from that injury he had early on this season. And then, yeah, he does, has a bye week, so it kind of screws you for week 14 if you needed him for week 14. But if you can hold on to him, he's got the Jets. He's got the Saints, who uh, you can you can throw on the Saints. And then he's got the Titans, who you can also throw on this season as well. So, uh, you know, his his receivers are hopefully going to be coming back and healthy, hopefully following the bye week. And if you're looking for a quarterback for the now, and hopefully if you're making the playoffs, I think he's a pretty good guy to have on your team right now. Yeah, I mean, if I had to pick between the two, I'm probably going to lean Tua in this one just to see what happens with Taysom Hill moving forward. Uh, you know, I, he was great. Don't get me wrong. like He was great coming out last year. Killed it in the few games that he started uh, while Drew Brees was hurt. He kind of tapered off towards the tail end. I'm a little bit concerned that that could actually, you know, result in something moving forward. But I still like Taysom Hill, and I think that Tua Tagovailoa are both great options in this one. I think they're both no-ship pickups for me. If I had to pick between the two, I'm going Tua, especially with the way that Jalen Waddle's playing. And – I don't know if you said this or not, Steve. Did you mention Devontae Parker's potentially coming back? Yeah, him and Will Fuller are hopefully will be back following their bye week. So that would be even more weapons for Tua down the line. Yeah, but obviously if you need somebody this week, that doesn't help you out. So let's go ahead and hop on to this next one. I believe it's at the running back position. We mentioned Alexander Madison. Uh, I don't think we need to talk too much about that. They have a very advantageous schedule moving forward. Uh, let's go on to Jamal Williams because Jamal Williams is in a little bit of an interesting situation. He comes back from injury, and now you have Jamar Jefferson who's taking a role in the receiving game. I really haven't practiced Godwin's last name yet, so I'm not even going to attempt it as of right now. I, I'll Igwe get it. Buke. Igwe Buke? Igwe Buke. Okay. <laughs> she, she's the champ over there. She's the champ. Uh, they've taken on an increased role, and I don't think that they're going to cut into his workload that much. But is he going to see over 60% snap share? And that's where I'm like, okay, I don't know if he actually gets to 60 or 70%. So, Britt, what are you thinking over there with, with Jamal Williams? So I really think that he does. Um, he also has that passing upside that DeAndre Swift had. Um, last week when Swift went out, albeit he did go out fairly early, but Jamal Williams was in the game even before Swift got hurt. Um, he still ran 63% of the snaps. They had Godwin in at 8%. They had Jermar Jefferson in at 10 So I think that going forward, I mean, Williams is going to be the clear-cut first down back and multi-down back, and then they're just going to kind of sprinkle in Jefferson and Igwe Buque as they can. Um, I mean, Williams wasn't hyper-efficient against the Bears, but he got five receptions. And when you're doing PPR, I mean, that's just so valuable with a running back. So – I mean, depending on he's rostered in 46 and a half percent, 41 of ESPN, 41 percent Yahoo. So he might not even be available. But if he is, I'm definitely making a um, a pull for him in a couple leagues, whether to try to block other people or to just get him for myself because I have Swift. 
Yeah, I mean, if you have Swift and you're stuck on running back position, I don't feel like he's a bad option to pivot off to. I mean, he saw production earlier on in the year. Steven, how are you feeling about this one? Yeah, I'm, I'm loving Jamal Williams this week, honestly. I think you, if you're looking for a running back for this week, I think he's a clear-cut option, one of the top three options for you this week. Uh, and again, there could be a situation where, you know, DeAndre Swift, maybe they want to just shut him down or take their time to bring him back because why rush a young talent when the team is just not performing? Uh, maybe Dan Campbell doesn't want to do that. Maybe he likes to throw his guys in there and let them tough it out. But uh, you're getting Jamal Williams for this week alone. You have the Minnesota Vikings. They're playing this week. They're kind of below average for running backs this season. And you're getting a guy who's probably going to see what you saw this past week, 15 carries, five targets in this game here. You're looking for similar production out of him and maybe more if the Vikings happen to get an early lead on the, uh, the Lions. Yeah, see, this is where I'm concerned, all right? So I'm looking at the routes run over there at PFF. And we saw 20 in the first week when he went on for the routes run, right? Then we go down, he, he only runs 12 routes. Then he only runs 13 routes. Then he only runs five and six routes. Uh, week six, 10, week seven, four. And then he comes back from inj injury in week 11, runs four routes. And then he gets 14 last week. And that's obviously because they didn't have, you know, a game plan set up for Jamar Jefferson or for Godwin. And it's, it's sitting there looking like Jamal Williams, although he could end up taking on a massive role. I'm a little bit nervous that they end up putting in Jamar Jefferson in the third down role to actually get those those points in the receiving game. And, I mean, Jamal Williams last week, he had 6.8 points in the receiving game alone. So that's obviously a big portion of his production. And although I'm still going to go after him and I'm still going to, you know, roll him out, obviously, with the matchup and everything, I'm still a little bit hesitant when it comes to throwing down the rest of my fab because we're getting down to the nitty gritty. We're getting down to the last little bit. Do you really want to throw the remaining aspect of your fab at a guy who might end up having a decreased role in the passing game? And that's where I'm just I'm a little bit hesitant. Um, but, I mean, you know, if you can't get Alexander Madison, if he's out of your price range, you know, you might want to pivot off to him. So, yeah, I think. I think the fab, what I've looked at is like Madison, they're recommending spending 50% uh, of your remaining fab. And then with Williams, like 10 to 11%. So he's definitely a cheaper option if you are low on fab dollars. All right. All right. I'll take it. I'll take it. I'd rather go after a guy like Chuba Hubbard, to be honest with you. So, I mean, we might actually have this in a little bit of a different section, but Chuba Hubbard is somebody for me that I actually want to tackle. And I know, I know, Britt, that you don't like this take. And we're probably going to talk a little bit about it more here in a second. But uh, Chuba Hubbard, for me, was somebody that I actually loved moving forward. I think that he's somebody that can progressively move your, your team towards the fantasy championships. I don't think that they're going to allow Cam Newton to pass a whole ton. And when he does pass, he's not going to be checking out to the running backs as much. However, what he does offer is a rushing upside, which increases the efficiency for the running backs. You know, we're talking about the Alfred Morris corollary as uh, as the pod father, quote unquote, ter uh, termed it. So, you know, it's something as to where when you have a rushing quarterback, even when you have a bad running back, they're still going to produce. But Chuba Hubbard actually offers an upside that very little other running backs do. I know that he did not perform well at his pro day. I know his, his 40 time was not great. However, this is a running back who was training for the Olympics. I mean, he was going to run 
the 100-yard dash in the Olympics because he was that blazing fast. And we saw it in the preseason, especially more than any other time, him break tackles and break long runs over and over and over again. And so when it comes to having a player with a tremendous upside, I think Chuba Hubbard, Hubbard could offer you that upside and could win you some weeks moving forward in this. So I actually have Chuba Hubbard ranked above Jamal Williams for my waiver wire targets this week. Spicy. Ooh, yeah, real spicy. All right, <laughs> let's go on to the uh, to the wide receiver position. Unless uh, Stephen, did you have anything you wanted to add for this? Um, no. I mean, I honestly think that if you're looking for a running back long term, I think Sony Michelle is might be worth a pickup right now. Honestly, uh, he's owned only in like twenty five percent of leagues right now, and you know, there's there's some injury concerns currently with Darrell Henderson. I put in a waiver for him. I put in a waiver claim for him. I did. That was a smart move. I think I think people aren't talking the Henderson injury up that much right now. And he's been banged up kind of all season long. And if something happens to him over the next few weeks now, um, then I think you're getting getting Sony Michelle now while everyone's focused on all these other guys, these backup running backs, all the other backup running backs who are starting now, it might be worth going out the grab because you want to attach yourself to, you know, running backs who are high scoring offenses and uh, the Rams are a high-scoring offense, and they use mostly, for the most part, one running back as our primary back most weeks. And if anything, they play the Jaguars, and if they're ahead by two or three touchdowns maybe, Sonny Michelle will probably get into this game and maybe give you flex appeal, possibly, uh, just in this week alone. But he'll have you know high upside play if Henderson gets hurt any time over the next three or four weeks. Yeah, I actually put in a claim for Sonny Michelle in a guillotine league. There's only like seven of us left or something, six of us left. And I actually put in a, a claim on him in the guillotine because I'm, I'm out of fab. So I had to make a, a safety play. And although they dropped a ton of wide receivers, a ton of running backs, opportunities to pick guys up, he's still on there. He's at the bottom, but he's still on there. All right, so Hunter Hall brings in the fact that he's picking up Josh Reynolds and dropping Curtis Samuel. So is Josh Reynolds, is he now the focal point of this offense? Is he a no-shit pickup for you guys? How do y'all feel moving forward? I like Josh Reynolds as a DFS play, but not. I'm not completely sold on him right now um, for season long. I do think he's going to have a role in this offense. I think he's probably going to end up wide receiver one in this offense. I mean, who else is going to? But the Lions are just so bad. Can you really trust him going forward? Curtis Samuel just came back from IR. I think that they were kind of easing him back in. I expect him to have a much bigger role going forward, especially um, depending on the severity of McKissick's injury, because Samuel ran a lot of those running back routes um, in Carolina last season. So I'm just a little hesitant on picking up Reynolds, but for DFS, I think he's like 3,400 on DraftKings. He's a smash. (laughs) I I love it. Um, I, so we have, you know, we already talked about, you know, their schedule moving forward, right? So we have Minnesota up with, you know, injuries all over their secondary. Once again, starting to plague it. Denver, I mean, Denver's allowed the 22nd most explosive pass plays or the hot second hot 22nd highest explosive pass play rate thus far in the season. Arizona, uh, not looking so hot when it comes to their secondary as well. Their defense kind of falling apart. And then Atlanta and Seattle. You know, for the finals, I honestly I don't mind Josh Reynolds as a pickup for deeper leagues. Now, if I'm gonna pick him up in like a I don't know, 15 team, 17, I'm sorry, 15 roster league or a 17 roster league, I don't know about that. But if I'm in a 20 person roster league, maybe like the Scott Fishbowl, I don't see an issue in picking up Josh Reynolds, hoping for the best, hope that he becomes that deep target. 
And if he sees some, you know, volume, I'm not going to pick him up and start him this week, but he sees some volume up against Minnesota. I might actually play him up against Denver if I need a, a high upside type play, if I'm projected to lose by a significant amount of points. All right. So what's up? I was a real quick chase. I think he's worth a pickup and put on your bench kind of player right now. Yeah. And I would drop Curtis Samuel to pick up Josh Reynolds strictly because I'm scared of Curtis Samuel's injury history. And the fact is that he's not even the top. Is he really a top three target in their offense? I mean, you have McLaren, you have Thomas coming back, you have Kissick uh, basically being the third wide receiver on this team most of the time. It's hard to trust Curtis Samuel that he's actually going to be on the field every single game the rest of the season while Josh Reynolds has that connection with golf and the matchups aren't good enough are good enough that you could put him on your bench and see what happens with him over the next few weeks. Well, let's go ahead and, and dive into another couple wide receivers and let's let's bring them both up, up at the same time because I kind of want to know where you all sit when it comes to Cedric Wilson or Van Jefferson. And I'm going to start out with Britt once again because I kind of want you to sort through this and figure out which guy you want more because you put both of them in here and you have many, many details as to why you want each one of these. So go ahead and start it out. Tell us who they are and then give us your reason as to which one you would rather have. Well, so news broke like late this afternoon about Cedric Wilson not practicing again. So that kind of tempers my expectation. But if he ends up practicing tomorrow, I would be confident. He'll probably remain out there. He'll be one of those post waiver pickups that you don't exactly have to like spin fab on or whatever. He'll still just be hanging out there if you need someone. Um, but Amari Cooper quote still has a cough and he didn't practice today. <laughs> still has a and, cough. That's what they said. Yeah, that's what Mike McCarthy said. And for that's kind of funny. One, I don't know why. I mean, it's Mike not funny. McCarthy, it's not funny, but no. But I don't know. Like, well, he's at the facility. One, so why is he still at the facility if he has a cough? Oh. Two, Mike McCarthy was the one who delivered this information, and Mike McCarthy has COVID. So, I mean, can't they just like let McCarthy rest? Like, let Cooper rest? I don't. The whole like mismanagement of COVID in Dallas is just a little uh, mind blowing to me, but obviously the Cowboys play on Thursday. If Cooper doesn't practice tomorrow. Yeah. Hunter, he totally does. There's actually side note. There's a whole big thing about what's going on in the Cowboys organization. There's a little bit of um, misinformation and disinformation on how many people in the actual organization have it. So that's going to be interesting to sort out like later on um, lots of the assistant coaches, lots of the head coaches, blah, 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 blah. But that's a whole other tangent. But anyway, if Cooper doesn't end up playing, which it's doubtful that he's going to, since it's Tuesday and they play on Thursday. Um, if Wilson does practice tomorrow, he saw his second largest snap share of the season at 74%. And he logged a season high in targets, receptions and receiving yards. Like I said, his status is going to need to be monitored. Um, but there's a need for receivers in Dallas. If Cooper doesn't play and it's unlikely that he will, then you've got CD Lamb, Gallup, and then you've got like Noah Brown and Malik Turner. It's not, not going to be good. Um, if he does play, the Saints rank 28th um, on the season against wide receivers. So Marshawn Lattimore is probably going to cover Lamb, and that's going to free up Wilson to turn those targets into production. And then do you want me to go on to Jefferson? Or do yeah, you want to I want to know which Wilson one you'd right rather now? have. Which one would you rather have, him or Van Jefferson, who's the other person you had on your, your list? Um, right now I want Van Jefferson just because I think the long-term viability is better. 
Um, I do have mixed feelings on Jefferson, but he's definitely been a consistent starter for me and Scott Fishbowl. So in terms of complete transparency, I have to have to go with them. Um, we all thought that Odell Beckham was going to eat into the target share and that Odell Beckham was going to jump into the Robert Woods role. But so far, it's been Van Jefferson. I mean, he got... He saw nine targets. He only got three receptions, which is a little iffy. But if you watch the game, a lot of those throws were really, you can definitely tell that Stafford isn't feeling himself, his elbow, his back, uh, nothing's feeling great. And one of those throws was from Cooper Cup, who, I mean, which Jefferson did catch in the end zone. He hauled it in, but it was just out of bounds. It was a bad throw because obviously it's not a quarterback throwing you the ball. Um, And Van Jefferson does have a really good schedule going forward. Um, he plays at home against Jacksonville this week, then at Arizona at home against Seattle at Minnesota, and then at Baltimore. So I think, I mean, he's a, he's a flex play for sure. Maybe a low end, like wide receiver two, wide receiver three, depending on if he continues to get these targets, but I have no reason to think that he won't. Oh man, Steven, are you torn right now? Or are you leaning one direction or the other? To me, I feel like it's pretty clear cut. It's it's Van Jefferson. Uh, you know, Cedric Wilson, he's a great Thursday night DFS play if you want to throw him out there. Uh, yeah, yeah, like uh, Brett said, he had career highs in a lot of things, but there was no CeeDee Lamb on the field this past week here. I mean, CeeDee Lamb is now back. I know that Marshall Animal is a great cornerback, but CeeDee Lamb is a ter- terrific wide receiver, and they're going to find ways, and they're going to give him targets in this game here. So, Wilson, you know, for me, if you're looking, maybe if you want to go with the boomer bust Thursday night play, he's that guy. But to me, it's more of a DFS play. While Van Jefferson is clear cutly, he's been, you know, the one, the two B, well, two A on this offense with Odell right now. And, you know, he's seen seven targets in four of the last five games now. Um, and this offense, you know, Stafford's dealing with this thing, his injury. Yeah. But I'd rather go with the upside and that offense there with him being the number two guy at times. And then, then Cedric Wilson, who, will be a three this week and then probably drop back down to a four when Cooper comes back from his, uh, from COVID. So for me, it's gotta be Van Jefferson. Well, also I think the bigger thing too, is the fact that uh, Cedric Wilson likes likely play outside. So he's going to be seeing the coverage from Lattimore. Lattimore's only played, I believe 33 snaps thus far in the slot this season. And they like using CD lamb in the slot role. Like they like him being the big slot. They like getting the mismatch up against the linebackers and up against the safeties. So they try to utilize him and get him in a certain advantageous matchups. I think that's what we're going to see moving forward. And so for that reason, I, I do think it's Van Jefferson, hands down, Van Jefferson seeing the target. Uh, he's he's the big play guy. He's getting the air yards, which everybody likes to hear, right? Oh, the air yards, bro. The air yards. He's getting the air yards. I'm not a big air yards guy. I like air yards. Don't get me wrong. But, you know, I don't base my whole argument off that. I think it's more so that, you know, Stafford trusts him. He trusts him running the routes, and he trusts him. Uh, he gives him opportunities to make plays downfield. Now, does Stafford's injury worry me a little bit? Sure. But I'm not going to be too concerned uh, when it comes to a waiver wire pickup, I'm going to grab the player with the biggest play ability and the most uh, fantasy points to, to put up. So let's move on to tight ends real quick. Let's talk about Cole Komet because Cole Komet's been on our, our no shit pickup list before. Uh, he hasn't performed necessarily well, but uh, once again, we don't have you know the, the quarterback to throw him the ball. I mean, Andy Dalton looked great throwing the ball to uh, to Darnell Mooney, but you know we saw a different connection. We saw a different connection between command and we talked about this Britt. i mean the connection between justin fields 
and Cole Komet is just magical. It's like fireworks going off. It's it's crazy, right? But there, there's no connection between Komet and and Dalton. And honestly, it's probably the opposite. I think Dalton's thrown touchdowns to Jimmy Graham. So it's the old dudes over there. They're making the eye contact, getting really weird over there. Uh, but no, I, I think that Komet is valid when you have Justin Fields in the game, not so much Andy Dalton. So tell me what your thoughts are with Cole Komet. Well, I mean, Komet still got looks from Andy Dalton this week. I mean, he got 11 targets. Allen Robinson was out, and there's a good likelihood that Allen Robinson is going to be out next week too. So depending on – I mean, I don't think it really even matters if it's Andy Dalton under center or Fields under center. Komet is like the proven every down – like second receiving option, basically in that offense. I don't think, I mean, maybe he's going to get vultured by Jimmy Graham or God forbid, even Jesper Horstead or Jesse James. But I think as far as targets go and in a PPR league, I mean, he's, he's the guy. Um, I don't necessarily like the matchup against the Cardinals, but their defense has kind of softened a little. Um, and they're allowing 10, 0.77 fantasy points per game. And I mean, the tight end position's just gross, to be honest. Like, unless you have like the Kelsey and I want to say Kittle or Waller, but honestly, unless you have Kelsey, <laughs> the tight end position's pretty gross. It's been really weird because even those other top, um, the two of the top three haven't really delivered. So um, there are definitely worse options out there. If Komet's out there, I would grab him especially if you're in a PPR just for the target upside. I'm a little bit nervous about how Arizona has been playing the tight ends thus far in the season. Arizona has actually been very, very good against tight ends. So that's something you know that, that makes me a little bit hesitant. Steve, what are your thoughts on this? Is Cole Komet a, a lock, a no-ship pickup for you? No, I don't think he's a lock. I mean, I love Cole Komet. I love his talents. Um, I just love a consistent you know, target share for him that he's been kind of, it's been kind of up and down all season here. And, you know, obviously Dynasty, you'd love him, but in redraft right now, I mean, you could pick him up, but I feel like there are better options out there in the tight end market. If you're looking for somebody this week right now, I mean, they play Arizona, then they have games against Minnesota, Green Bay, uh, Seattle and Giants. And Seattle, I think is like the uh, 15th worst team against tight ends. And that's like, that's like the easiest matchup for them, for him the rest of season right now. Again, Maybe Fields coming back will somehow help him out, and especially with Robinson out, will keep that target share, that double-digit targets. Uh, but I don't know if he's a smash locked kind of pickup right now. But he's intriguing. But uh, I wouldn't—he wouldn't be my first option this week. All right, so let's go ahead and get on to David's question. He wants to know what the best pickup is for the the running back position. You know, we have Boston Scott Breeder, Singletary. He has Chubb on a buy, and Hubbard is on a buy as well. Wait. Is Chubb on a buy this week? Yeah. yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Because, yep, you're right. Uh, so, Singletary for me is a complete fade. I, I believe he actually ran a good amount of routes this past week, if I remember correctly, but it was Brita. Yeah. Because I actually did the, the study on it. So, I believe single or Brita actually hit nine routes run. And so he didn't qualify for the dose score. Singletary hit like 15 routes run and he qualified, but he was absolutely terrible, uh, you know, in terms of catching the ball out of the backfield. Breida looks electric, and he looks like he did back two years ago when he was playing for the San Francisco 49ers. And I love, I love Breida as a pickup. However, I hate his schedule moving forward. 
So I feel like you're going to end up having to pay up for him, and you're only going to get him for one week. So in a situation like this where you have Chubb and you have Hubbard, I feel like Breed is okay to pivot off to because guess what? You only need him for one week, and he has the Patriots this week, and the Patriots aren't great at stopping the running back. We just saw the Patriots struggle this past week up against the Titans' third and fourth string running backs. Like This is not something that's uh, you know like new for the Patriots either. They they play like a bend but don't break tight defense up against the running backs. And this past week they broke. Their packs broke. But that's not normally thing not normally the case we see moving forward uh, or the case we should expect to see moving forward. However, Brita should still see opportunities in the receiving game. He should still should see what 50, 60 yards rushing. I think he's a good pickup on the week for me. I'm avoiding Boston Scott because I just don't know what to expect from the Eagles. And I mean, Boston Scott was not efficient for the Eagles this past week. So Stephen, we're going to start it with you. How are you feeling about this uh, one? What's your pickup? Well, David, um, it, it depends on what you're, if you're in need of a, a win this week, you need your That's running back. So sad to start out. Like that was the most, well, David, like, here's the thing. <laughs> <laughs> well, because I told you guys before the show that, like, running backs this week are so situational um, to me personally because, like, Boston Scott makes the most sense. I know the running back situation is is up and down right now, but Sanders continues to get hurt. Howard doesn't look like he's on track to play this week. So, for me, Boston Scott this week against the New York Gents seems like a just a smash hit, and I would take that approach because he's probably going to see at least – you know, nine to 10 carries at least, and maybe a few catches in the passing game here. And Jalen Hurts is injured right now. So if he doesn't play, that might open up some more, you know, passing targets to the running backs because Gardner Menchu will then be playing quarterback here, or they might try to run the ball even more because Gardner Menchu is the quarterback. With Breida and Singletary, they're like, Breida's like the boomer bust guy, and Singletary's like the low floor guy. Both have a great matchup this week, but. What if Zach Moss comes back in and they have a three-way committee again? Like, then who really gets the ball? I know Breed has looked the best over the last two weeks now, but there's just so much uncertainty who's going to lead the team in carries or snaps this week. I mean, Singletary had like 68% and Breed only had 29. Yeah, uh, I mean, that's a good point. Like, that's that's a good point because, you know, if it was a threesome, it'd be okay. But it's actually going to be a foursome because Josh Allen's in there too. Right. And so, you know, the satisfaction can happen in threesomes, but in foursomes, it rarely does. There's always somebody that's left out. We don't know which person it's going to be. So, I mean, Britt, how are you feeling in this situation over here? I'm just thinking we should ask DK Metcalf, but. Um... <laughs> <laughs> the callback, the ultimate callback. That was great. But, um, yeah. Whew. Oh, I'm writing um, that time down. <laughs> but no, I really, I think that, that you're correct. Also, I think I would rather go with Boston Scott over Brita or Singletary. Um, I did, I was looking at DFS um, value plays today and it really looked like Miles Sanders was a good DFS play. And as I like researched it more and more and more, like he hasn't had a touchdown this entire year and he's been the quote workhorse back this entire time. Like what makes you think that they're going to continue to give it to him down like within the twenties? They're not, if they give it to anybody, it's going to be Boston Scott and Jalen hurts. And I would rather, I think that that, that offense runs more than I, uh, I don't know. It's gross. I mean, it is gross, but I think I would rather have Boston Scott over Brita or Singletary. Yeah, I forgot what we were talking about because, you know, we're talking about gross. We're talking about giving it to him. So let's go ahead and move <laughs> on to the next, the next position uh, or the next topic, I believe. 
where are we? Um, the avoids, the, the ones you want nothing to do with, like get them off your roster. You do not need to put a waiver wire claim. This is why we do the show. This is the, the meat and potatoes of the show. And this is saving you guys fab, you guys and girls, I should say fab. This is saving y'all money uh, to move forward towards. So do not waste your money on these players. We're going to tell you who to avoid. And we're going to keep you guys from wearing the toilet bowl trophy around your neck. So let's go ahead and start out with your quarterback. Britt, who you got? Oh, so it's Cor- it's Carson Wentz for me. I mean, Carson Wentz is dead to me. I've I've been advocating for him as a streaming option, and I advocated for him, and he was still out there, still out there, still out there, like consistently putting up points. And then I finally had to stream him, and he just um, he shit the bed, to be quite honest. I mean, it was just terrible. Um, Frank Reich looks like he's finally realized what he has in Jonathan Taylor. And I think last week, Carson Wentz bounced back and put up those numbers that he was putting up earlier in the season. But next week they're facing, um, the Texans. I mean, I expect JT to run all over them. I expect them to get the lead early. Then I expect them to put Naheem Hines in there. Week nine, they kind of did the same thing against the Jets. It was like, um, 28 to 10, I think going into halftime something like that against the Jets and Hines ended up running like 45% of the snaps that entire game. So I really, I just don't think that Carson Wentz is going to have a, to be a big factor into this game. And he has a buy in week 14. So I'm definitely not pinning all my hopes and dreams on him um, for this week or to put me in the playoffs. You feeling Steven? Uh, yeah, I'm I'm kind of on board with Britt in this one. I mean, I was looking at my other quarterbacks who are, you know, free agencies. I don't think anyone's really targeting, but people want to target quarterbacks who have a good matchup this weekend in, in the Houston, and uh, Carson Wentz and the Houston Texans. But this is going to be another game where it's going to turn into Jonathan Taylor, and it's just going to be run, run, run. And Carson Wentz is not going to be need to throw the ball that much. And I'll, like, he's been, like, averaging, like, only, like, 25 to 28, you know, throws a game for the most part. When a guy like Justin uh, Justin Taylor, Justin Taylor, Jonathan Taylor goes off for big games here. And, and there's some good matchups down the stretch here where I don't think they're going to have to rely on Carson Wentz. I think you're better off just going a different direction, going with the guys we already mentioned before, than go with a guy like Carson Wentz. Yeah, and, and Carson Wentz is somebody that I'm absolutely avoiding moving forward up until we see something different. However, keep in mind that Jonathan Taylor is still getting involved in the passing game and you know, if we could see 100 yards receiving out of him, he's already halfway there to creating some sort of fantasy relevance. So two quarterback leagues, we're not telling you to avoid him or anything along those lines, but definitely not spending waiver wire dollars on him in single quarterback leagues. Just keep that in mind. So I'm going to jump into a guy who I don't understand why he's on waivers at all. And we're going to talk about the running back position. Tony Jones. Like, I don't hate Tony Jones. I don't. But this is a rookie who... You know, he's not hyper-athletic, right? He's more of a, you know, a banger in between the tackles where they don't want to ruin Alvin Kamara. He just got outproduced by Ty Montgomery. Ty Montgomery. This is the journeyman who's seen like eight teams or something like that. And, I mean, this is somebody that hasn't seen significant snaps of the running back position since like 2020 and Week 17. Aside from that, it was like 2018, where you saw significant snaps of the running back position in Ty Montgomery. And yet people are telling you to go out and pick up Tony Jones. All right. I want you, I want to relive something. This might be a little bit painful for you guys. All right. But did either one of y'all spend any kind of fab on on Trey Sermon or Wayne Gallman 
you know, earlier in the season or maybe spend a draft pick on either one of those guys? No, I drafted Trey Sermon in the Scott Fishbowl. Okay. Okay. So you, you wasted Fab on him. Okay. <laughs> it's yeah, way worse waste... than Fab. It's yeah, you didn't, you didn't waste Fab on him. You spent draft capital. Okay. So we, we wasted opportunities there. And Wayne Gallman, you know, a couple weeks ago, he was supposedly the, the top waiver wire pickup. I know a lot of people that wasted Fab on him. So let's go on to 2020. Do you guys did you guys waste any kind of fab on Devonta Freeman when he was playing for the Giants and Saquon Barkley went down? Probably. Yeah, I mean, people did it, but he didn't produce because he was behind a bad offensive line. He had bad matchups. Now I'm going to bring the most painful one up. All right. Mike Boone back in 2019 where he faced the Packers and the Packers were favored significantly. But yet Mike Boone was two years in the league and only saw or only had two receptions up to that point before playing in that game. And yet Dalvin Cook was out, right? We had Alexander Madison out. Mike Boone just came off a massive game where they destroyed like the Lions. And people went and told you to go put a ton of fab onto Mike Boone. And Mike Boone, I don't know if you all remember. If you did, I'm sorry for bringing up this painful memory. But he completely shit the bed because Amir Abdullah took over and was the primary producer in that offense, as they had to check the ball down time and time again, Mike Boone was not involved in the offense whatsoever. That's Tony Jones right now. That is Tony Jones. And people are telling you to pick him up while Alvin Kamara is possibly going to play, likely going to play. Ingram's practicing. Why is he on the waiver wires? Is it because people ended up getting into it, writing about it, and then they felt like super, like, they're like, oh, I just spent an hour writing about Tony Jones. I can't just delete him out of my column. Now I'm, I'm going to leave him in there. I'm just going to move him down a couple of ranks. Like, why would you, he's not a good handcuff. Even if he was a starter, just like he was this past week, he was going to get outproduced by Ty Montgomery. Why are people going there and doing stuff like that? Like you are literally losing people fantasy leagues. You need to stay away from Tony Jones period. The end. Yeah. It's that whole double down mentality. Like I can't admit that my takes are wrong situation. It's absurd. But but like just to go further, because I really wanted to say this, like he put up 27 yards on 16 carries. That's literally an average of 1.69 yards per carry. I could fall down like this, just stand there and fall down and get more yards a carry than that. <laughs> like it's just so crazy. All right, Brett, we're that putting you in. Average. I mean, do it, man. I feel like I'm taller than a bunch of the running backs in the league. So, <laughs> <laughs> all right, Steve, do you have any different take on that or, or do you agree? No, I mean, I could probably name like 10 different running backs. I'd rather pick up this week than pick up Tony Jones. It's just Jamar Jefferson. God, I'd probably pick up Jamar Jefferson <laughs> than Tony Jones right now. Mark Ingram, I think, is playing in this matchup. I think he's a good to go. So he's going to be the starter without a doubt. Even as a handcuff, it's ridiculous. It's absolutely absurd. Like he—he's not a good handcuff, even if he is the one we can cuff. But like, why would you want him anyway? It's just—it's just a roster spot. I don't even think it's a one week handcuff because, like, all right, sure, like you might get him this week as a backup. But even if Kamara and uh, if Kamara and um and Ingram go out, I mean, he has the Buccaneers, the Dolphins, and the Panthers, along with I believe a by week no no it's the jets so he has one good matchup he has the jets but he has the buccaneers dolphins and the panthers in the playoffs do you really feel good rolling him out in that no no get away from tony jones all right Britt, who do you got up there I, I see your first person on there and it's somebody that i said i actually won on my roster so let's hear what you have to say bring it on well i have chuba hubbard 
Um, because unlike Alexander Madison, Hubbard isn't really a clear handcuff. He's splitting time with Amir Abdullah, and we don't really know yet how it's going to shake out in this backfield. Um, when he took over for McCaffrey earlier in the season, like he got the volume because he was the only guy, right? But Abdullah, since coming on like midseason, has really seen a lot more. He's seen some value in the passing game. He's seen some value in the running game. We don't know if Chiba Hubbard is going to be the clear-cut handcuff. I think that you could possibly go after Abdullah and he wouldn't cost you anything and it would still offer as much upside as Hubbard uh, would without blowing your fab dollars. Um, their upcoming schedule also sucks. They've got a buy this week. So obviously you can't use them this week and then they get Atlanta. But then when you're going into your playoff uh, picture, it's Buffalo Tampa at new Orleans and then at Tampa, like, that's gross. That's hard. And I, ugh, I just would not, I would not want to do it unless you absolutely have to. And then I understand because deep leagues are what they are, but I'm, I'm not putting my faith in Hubbard. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely the, the schedule is not sexy. Uh, like I, you can't disguise that. And when you talk about a bye week and then three tough weeks, I just brought up a schedule. So all of a sudden I got to argue against it. Uh, essentially Atlanta is somebody that I definitely want to play him at. And, you know, if that creates some alleviation, cool. But Tampa Bay has actually been a little bit more porous up against the running backs as of late. And I think with their defense, you could also see some short field positions. I mean, Josh Allen is no stranger to turning the ball over thus far this season and giving the other team many opportunities. Plus, they've been very ballsy on fourth down so far this season and always converted. And then we talk about Tampa Bay and how they've struggled up against teams as of late. And I think that they could get back to, you know, allowing teams to run against them from time to time because they're dropping so many people into coverage, trying to mask what's going on in that secondary with all the injuries. I mean, we saw Antonio Gibson, you know, do well with him. Uh, plus Tampa Bay. I know that Amir Abdul is there, but I still think that Chuba Hubbard could break a big one and also get some work in the passing game. So I, I can't sit there and say that Chuba Hubbard's a lock. Like I said, I was very like, like, Eh, on him, and I do like him more than I like Williams, but I'm right there. I'm on the edge. Steven? Yeah, I'm with Britt on this one. I I do not want anything with Chuba Hover, honestly. I mean, if you need a running back, you got to go pick up a running back because he's, he's going to be the starter, but the way I see it is like the matchups aren't good down the stretch here, and he's only had three games in RB2 uh, this season. Everything else was worse, so he's at best a low-end RB2, and the moment Amir Abdullah came, uh, the last two weeks before Christian McCaffrey kind of really came back. I mean, uh, Trevor Hubert, I can't say his name, but Hubert Hubbard had four targets. And I can't talk. I'm tired, guys. He had four it's targets. Ginger ale. <laughs> it's a ginger ale, yeah. He had uh, two targets the last two games before Christian McCaffrey came back. Amir Abdullah had 10. So clearly they like Amir Abdullah in this passing role here. And Hubbard really didn't impress me enough to be like, I got to go spend all my money again and get him back on my team if you dropped him. Hopefully those who kept him kept him, but if you dropped him and you want to go pick him back up now, he's not worth the big fab now. I don't see it right now. I'd rather go get the Tennessee Titans wide receivers and hold them from on my bench than go get Hubbard right now. All right, I got one more running back for you. We're going to move on to wide receivers, and we have tight ends after that. The running back for me is is Rex Burkhead, and I just don't get it. Like People are like, volume, volume, volume. He's getting 18 touches. Yeah, but you have to be on a good offense to have decent volume. Like This is the same exact argument we heard, for example, Devonta Freeman, right? He's going to see volume. He's gonna, they love to run the ball. Get out of here with that shit. Like, that is 
like the biggest scam you will ever hear is the running back will see volume. The running back also has to be talented and they have to have a defensive, a good defensive, uh, or I'm sorry, a good offensive line. You know, we could talk about like the Najee Harris's of the world, right? I mean, Najee Harris really has not produced without his receiving work because Big Ben can't throw it further downfield than 15 yards. Like, what would Najee Harris be if we limited him to, what, two receptions, three receptions a game? Well, he would be what he has been over the past few weeks, which is terrible. It hurts well, maybe not soul. terrible, but it's it not great. It's, it's not great. I, I don't think it's terrible real quick. Let me let me go ahead and pull this up real quick. Yeah, I don't want to sound terrible. He's giving you – okay, he's giving you less than what he was. This past game it was 6.7, and then he's been below 20 points, which was nothing close to what he was prior to this. And Najee Harris is an electric athlete. So we were talking about an electric athlete, the, the best running back in this draft, right? And he comes out, and he's killing it with the receiving work. He doesn't get the re receiving work, and now he's you know sitting there at the back end of a, a running back one. What do you think Rex Burkhead, who has never been a starter almost his entire career – you know, does not get involved in the passing work. Like, what do you think he's going to end up being? Nothing. He's playing for the Texans. All right? Like, this makes no sense to me as to why people are saying, go pick him up. I'd much rather have, right? I'd much rather have a David Johnson, believe it or not. And it's honestly because of the inability for the Texans to sustain drives. Now, they cannot create big plays. They can't sustain drives. So what has to happen? Well, you have to have big playability. And David Johnson somewhat has that. I don't like that. I don't, I'm not a David Johnson fan. I'm far and away from a David Johnson fan. But he's seen the work in the passing consistently, right? Like, sure, Rex Burkhead had three targets this past game. He hasn't had three targets, I don't think, the entire season outside of maybe one game. Maybe one oh, game. Well, that's because they got rid of Philip Lindsay. So obviously it's Burkhead now, right? Oh my God. Phil Blizzy was never in there. <laughs> Phil Blizzy was never in there. That's the joke. I know. I know. I know. And it's crazy. It's like, you know, oh yeah, they got rid of Phil Lindsay. You know, he's actually relevant. No, he's not relevant. And when we talk about the dose score, right? It's a dump off containment efficiency score. You guys can find it on fantasyintervention.com slash dose. Uh, over the next two weeks, if you need a fill in, David Johnson, Right? We're talking about Rex Burkhead being terrible, but David Johnson is kind of somewhat relevant, and he's not like a no-shit pickup. I'm just saying if you're desperate. The Colts allow a 5.83 uh, dump-off containment efficiency score, which is number 21 in the NFL, and they face the fifth easiest schedule thus far in the season. Meanwhile, the Seahawks, who they have the week after that, allow a 8.85 dump-off containment efficiency score, which is 31st in the NFL. We just saw Antonio Gibson and Jaden McKissick put up 24.1 points on the on the Seahawks. Like, David Johnson is a way, way, way better pickup than Rex Burkhead. Don't give me that Rex Burkhead garbage. I don't care about the schedule. This is a bad team, people. This is a bad team. You do not want a first and second out back who carries between the 20s, who doesn't even see red zone opportunities as your lead back that you're rolling out there regardless of the schedule. Do either one of y'all have anything to add? <laughs> I'm just wondering if you need to take a breath, like get some oxygen. Yeah. That. <laughs> <sighs> All right. Let's go ahead and move on. Uh, what, what do you want? Want to be wide receivers? Yes. Yep. All right. So it's kind of funny because Britt and I have this next one together. I wrote an article and she has it on here. So I'm glad that we're on the same page with this. Let's hear what you have to say about Kendrick Ford. So again, he's another one that I picked up in Scott Fishbowl, so I have to be totally transparent. I'm very glad that he's produced for me, but every week I kind of pucker and pray 
that he's going to do something. Like I don't rely on him to do the things. Um, he was second on the team in receiving touchdowns behind Hunter Henry. He's had three touchdowns the past three weeks, but he still only played half the snaps, um, which was 55% and saw six targets. So his stat line looks really good, but then he plays against Buffalo in week 13 and then he has a bye. So I'm not really looking for him to be somebody to carry me into the playoffs with a tough matchup, divisional matchup at that against Buffalo and then a championship. Like I love Bourne as a player, but this is crunch time and you've got to separate your love for your, um, your logic at this point. Chase, you're on mute, my friend. My bad. <laughs> That's the second time I've done that today. Uh, so, no, I, I completely agree with you on that aspect. And, I mean, chasing points is one of the worst things you can do in fantasy. This is the exact situation of chasing points. I mean, the wide receivers that are available on waivers are actually pretty good overall because we don't have – we only had the Chiefs and the, the Cardinals, right, that were on by this past week. And – what you might have dropped Miko Hardman and Rondell Moore. Well, that's not, you know, massive, you know, guys that you want to bring up in your waiver wire pieces. Oh, they're coming back from waivers or they're coming back from buying. They might let you be on waivers. Meanwhile, when we look back and we see like the outliers from the previous producing weeks, such as Marquez Valdez Scantling in week 11, Brian Edwards in like week 10. I mean, there was like four players in week nine that were like, you know, big producers that were in the top 15 for the first time. And so we didn't have a bunch of people that are chasing points. So this week, waivers at the wide receiver position were way more sensical. Like I didn't see anybody putting out like, for example, you know, Randall Cobb wasn't a big one after, you know, he produced back a few weeks ago with the two touchdown game. I saw everybody chatting about it. I'm like, that was lucky. Like he had two receptions in the end zone and it was pretty much determined off luck. Like the, the defender missed the ball by centimeters. Uh, this week, you know, he actually played well, but the Rams – Guess what? They always, you know, give up passes underneath. They give up a ton of volume underneath and they tend to give up yards underneath as well. And that's where Randall Cobb got his value. So when we look forward to week 13, it's like, okay, a bunch of people saw that they realized it. So a bunch of people weren't running out saying Randall Cobb, Randall Cobb. So overall, like this was kind of the harder position for me to try and trash at the wide receiver position. But uh, Kendrick Bourne was, was pretty easy for me because you're just chasing points. You're literally just chasing points. And, you know, this Patriots defense is most likely going to run the ball a ton moving forward. And, I mean, I really don't have too much else to add on to that. So don't chase the points. Stay away from Kendrick Bourne. And, Steve? He's been wide receiver 10 since week six. Just saying. He has. And he's been I get your points. I get your points. And most of his, like, big games have come when he scored touchdowns, big touchdowns. And, and he threw a touchdown for one, too. He did throw a touchdown for one. Yes, yes. But I'm not saying don't pick him up. I, I think he's worth a pickup. I'm not saying he's like, got to go spend my my money on him. Got to go get – I have to get this. He's not – I have to get this guy. He's a guy that if he happens to miss waivers or if you want to throw a small claim in, I like him. So I know he has the Bills twice, but the Bills just lost to Davius White. So – and he's not even the number one option. So, like, defenders are not worrying about him. They're worrying about Jacoby Myers. For some reason, Nelson Aguilar is still playing a ton of snaps. Um, but – People are, you know, focusing on him. And Kendrick Bourne is being used in certain ways to get the ball in his hand. And I like that. Again, he's not a every week got to start him guy, but he's a cool boomer bust, you know, wide receiver three flex option for you that could help you win a week, could help you lose a week, but you take that risk as a, as a boomer bust guy. And I think 
as a low bid on him, like, you know, two or three bucks, whatever, or you wait until after waivers run. If he's still sitting there, you want to scoop him on your team. I like him. I like him as at least a bench guy on your team and see if maybe his targets come more consistent down the stretch. I, I will say real quick, I had Kendrick Bournes back this past week. I was like, you got to play him. Mike talked me into it. But he is wide receiver like 23 in points per game uh, this far on – or from week six until uh, week 12. So he's just played one more game than everybody else that game. You know, he ended up going off for it. I don't see that, that ceiling happening again uh, anytime soon. Could happen up against the Bills. I guess we'll find out. As for, let's see, the other wide receiver that you have, Britt. Sorry, I'm all over the place. Uh, LaVisca Chenault. Tell me a little bit about LaVisca Chenault, because I like LaVisca, but he's been tough to trust, and we thought that he was going to have a potential breakout this past week. He did not, but now, but now they have Dan Arnold out, so he has to produce now, right? Yeah, but O'Shaughnessy's <laughs> back. O'Shaughnessy's back. And O'Shaughnessy was the dude in week one before he got hurt, you know? How many so, people do we have to tout are going to be out from the Jaguars no, before this it becomes is relevant? so crazy. It's like, and I was a LaVisca truther. Like, I wrote a whole, like, second and third year wide receiver breakout candidate article, and Visca was on my list. And it really hurts to be wrong about things, but you have to, you know, you can't double down. You have to admit when you're wrong. And I was wrong about LaVisca. I mean, he saw the most targets last week. He saw nine targets, but he only caught five of them for 33 yards. Five for 33. Like, yeah, they're running him out of the slot again, which is his more natural position. But Laquan freaking Treadwell <laughs> led the Jags in receiving yards. That's embarrassing. Laquan Treadwell. <laughs> like, I just, I can't. Urban Meyer has no clue what he's doing in the NFL. And the matchup's not good in week 13. They're playing the Rams. And but they allow even though points to the slot. I just still, what's it going to be? Like a two-yard, a two-yard <laughs> pass to the slot? Like, the routes are going to be disgusting. It's not going to be, it's just the way that Urban Meyer schemes his offense. It's just not going to be good. And uh, yeah, I'm out. Oh, it's it's terrible. It's brutal. It's 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 damning. And if you watch the game, by the way, I don't know anybody that actually watched the Jacksonville game, but I did. And I mean, <laughs> we talk about Lawrence. He was getting his players decked. They were getting housed time after time. He was throwing passes that were getting his receivers going vertical, like I mean, or horizontal. And I'm not talking about, you know, horizontal from side to side. I'm talking about their bodies were horizontal, including LaCron Treadwell on one play, uh, because they were getting hit so hard because it was so many bad passes that he was leading his receivers into. It's no wonder that his receivers are all hurt. Uh, you know, he's used to having just open receivers constantly at the college level, being able to throw them open. That's not the case. Like, he's trying to lead his receivers, and they are getting decked by these more athletic defenses. Hopefully he learns and uh, progresses in the offseason. I still like Levis Chenault. I'm not going to say go pick him up, but I'm also not going to say don't pick him up or play him in a bad league. We've seen, we just saw it with Randall Cobb, right? Players that get targets close to the line of scrimmage up against the Rams always end up producing. We saw it with DeAndre Swift. We, we've seen it with running backs time and time again. We've seen it with slot receivers. Anybody who plays underneath has typically had a good game against them. So, I'm not going to say completely avoid him, but I'm also not going to say go pick him up. I'm almost in take lock because I traded a first round pick for him the week after Chark got hurt. And, uh, oh, and last line. Pain. 
So, yeah, and I'm not a Levis Chenault fan. I just needed a wider receiver because I had Shark. So I went out and moved on what I thought was contender, a first-round pick for him. My thing was, like, after ETN got hurt and, like, went out with the Liz Frank, that, you know, they were moving ETN out to the slot, like, as a receiving back. And I thought for sure, like, Visca was going to come in. And when that didn't happen, I was like, oh, no, this is bad. This is very, very, very bad. And then I've just kind of watched the downfall as it's happened. And it's the echo chamber got me. Yeah. Yeah. No, for real. But it's just, and he's not, not talented, you know, <laughs> it's just Urban Myers, a horrendous coach. All right. So let's hop on to the tight end position. And you have a player that's a little bit interesting to me, uh, Ryan Griffin, who, I mean, I don't really understand what's happening over there with, with the, the Jets offense. I mean, Jet, Wilson looks, Zach Wilson looks absolutely terrible. Uh, and I can't figure it out. Like, it's it's baffling for the life of me why they, he doesn't listen to the coaches. Obviously, they have a certain offense that is very similar to the offense of the 49ers. And Mike White executed it flawlessly. Josh Johnson executed it flawlessly. Even Joe Flacco did a pretty damn good job at executing this offense. And this offense isn't talented enough to win anything. Their defense isn't good enough to keep teams low enough. So it's not ready yet. But we at least see this, this, this thing start to happen, this mold, right, of this offense is starting to come together. And yet Wilson comes in and doesn't – it looks like the, the offense is foreign to him. And he's been in this offense now for six months. Uh, I don't understand what's happening. T- please talk to me about Ryan Griffin why you're avoiding him outside of the reasons I just stated. I just – I honestly don't understand. Like everyone's like, oh yeah, it's a great matchup. Like he's playing the Eagles. Well, we saw that happen last week with Evan Ingram. Evan Ingram didn't do anything against the Eagles. So, well, and the Giants had half of their receiving weapons missing and they still weren't able to take advantage of it. So Griffin only has one touchdown on the season. He's only seen an... Myrick, don't you shame Myrick. (laughs) Don't you shame Myrick. He got a touchdown. He did. You're correct in that. You're two correct. receptions for like I think 11 yards or something and a touchdown. You're, Just saying. You're correct, but that's also DFS purposes and not season long purposes. You're, right. you're so right. <laughs> so, and to completely caveat that, like I do like Griffin for DFS this week because um, he's only like 2700. If you're gonna punt on tight end, sure, why not? But in season long, there are so many better streamers out there, and. um Griffin only has one touchdown in the season. He's only seen an average of three targets a game. Like, why would you do this to yourself? Like, if you want to take a flyer in DFS, like I said, play the matchup. But, like, why would you do this to yourself in season long? I just don't. I don't get it. Makes no sense to me. I can't get on it. Steve, are you picking up Griffin in the waivers this week? No, I'm not. I mean, I've always thought of the situation was, like, just because it's a good matchup, doesn't mean you should go pick up that tight end there. And I feel like if you look at the tight ends that are like, like just no names or don't produce, it doesn't mean they're going to all of a sudden just produce against a good matchup. That's just not how it works constantly. So Ryan Griffin has been basically a no-show all season. It doesn't mean he's going to be a great tight end this week just because of the matchup is fantastic. I feel like that if you were tweeting that, you'd be subtweeting Chris Myrick. Just <laughs> So let me talk about a player that, you know, if you want a championship belt, right, 
you got, you got a championship out right here. This thing is gorgeous. This thing is heavy. It has a ton of weight to it. I mean, I'm not kidding you guys. This thing is is massive, and it's cool because you can actually get like your league engraved on here with like the winners and stuff, and you get the plates every year. It's really sick. Uh, it's from TrophySmack.com. You guys use promo code Circle at checkout. Go to TrophySmack.com. Use promo code Circle. Make sure there's a belt and or a trophy in your cart along with the ring. You'll actually get a sixty dollar ring for free. And they actually have this one. It has it's cool. It has a bobblehead, and you can like it's a Batman bobblehead, but you can put your own head on it. And it's a topper that goes on top. And yeah, it's sick. It's badass. But it's on sale right now. I just saw it earlier today because I was on it looking at uh, trophies for my league. I'm not even joking. And it's like I think it's normally like 370 bucks. It's on sale right now. Uh, it's like 300 or something like that. So if you get that, you throw the ring in your cart. Uh, you go to checkout. Use promo code Circle. You'll get that six dollar ring for free. So you're pretty much saving like 120 bucks. On a purchase but yeah so if you want one of these right a player you should not pick up is evan ingram because evan ingram will drop this like so and just like he's dropped pretty much every single ball you guys know that he has never had a season where he has had more touchdowns than drops he's never had a season where he's had more touchdowns than drops he's had more drops or equal the amount of drops to touchdowns that he's had in every single season thus far in the nfl and it's brutal. I mean, we talk about the Eagles, right, and how bad the Eagles are at covering the tight end position and how Chase Myrick, or Myrick, I say that, I have trouble saying that every single time. Uh, Chase Myrick actually performed up against them by getting a touchdown on The Eagles have allowed 1,214 yards, or they're on pace to allow 1,214 yards, 120 receptions, and 13 touchdowns to the tight end position. That equals out to 318.27 fantasy points. The last time that a team gave up more than 318.27 fantasy points to the tight end position is the Cardinals in 2013. And that's when their defense was abysmal. And guess what? Teams couldn't even pass to the, the wide receivers because they had Patrick Peterson in their prime that year. So they just passed to the tight end every single play. That's not the case for the Eagles. The Eagles are just absolutely terrible. And their secondary is abysmal and tight ends can produce. And yet Evan Ingram went out and put, what, three receptions for 37 yards, I believe, on six targets? What? It was what? <laughs> are you kidding me? I mean, and people are like, oh, Myrick, he, he vultured Evan Ingram on getting a touchdown. I'm like, Ingram nobody... wasn't going to get that anyway. <laughs> no, he wasn't. They would have kicked a field goal. Evan Ingram has seen four <laughs> targets in the red zone this season. Four. Like, that is it. They don't trust him in the red zone because he drops everything. He's only been targeted one time on a pass of 20 yards or more. They do not trust him. You know his drop rate has never dropped below 6%? It's never dropped below 6%. He's been in, like, the top 15 drop rate or drops every single year since he's come to the league because that's what he does. That's who Evan Ingram does. He's not a good tight end. And I cannot believe after he put up three for 37 because he's getting the targets. He is a tight end that people are telling you to go and pick up. It is mind blowing to me. And sure, I've taken a shot once or twice thus far on the season. And sure, he does have a uh, advantageous schedule moving forward, but they are going to face him out of the offense. This is going to be one of his last years with the Giants in a major role. I mean, Chase Merrick might end up taking the job for him. It is mind-blowing. See, typically, typically, if a wide receiver has a low A dot, like Evan Ingram, he's has the second lowest A dot on the season for, for tight ends with 40 or more targets. And if 
receivers or tight ends normally have a low A dot, it's because they're getting used in the red zone, right? And they're going, they're getting a ton of targets in the red zone. I.e. Uh, Pat Fryermuth, who has like 16, I believe, targets in the red zone so thus far this season, maybe 15. Uh, he has a low A dot as well. Uh, Evan Ingram has four, right? Pat Fryermuth has 16. Then we talk about the or Tyler Higby, right? He has he's the only one with a lower A dot than Evan Ingram. Well, Higby has the most red zone targets on the entire season thus far for the tight end position. Okay, so if you're not doing that, the other people that have low A dots, all right, let's talk about Dan Arnold or Zach Ertz. They're getting targets and they're getting yards after the catch. They're getting the ball close to the line of scrimmage and screen opportunities, crossing routes, and then they're getting yards after the catch. Evan Ingram is doing neither one of those. He's not getting red zone targets. He's not getting utilized in the red zone, and he's not getting yards after the catch. It is absolutely abysmal. His average yards per route run is uh, it's gross. Like, why is Evan Ingram a topic? I I can't even talk about it anymore. I don't know if you guys want to to visit this or if you guys want to hop on the gems because I keep on going on these rants and and I don't want you guys ears to bleed. Uh, especially talking about Evan Ingram because that's uh, you know bleed worthy by itself, much less me yelling about it. But I'm just going to literally, literally like get you some oxygen, like just sent to your home. <laughs> <laughs> it's bad. It's bad. Are you guys ready to talk about some gems, or do y'all want to talk about Evan Ingram some more? Because I might no. Please, let's get off Evan Ingram, please. <laughs> All right, let's move on to a couple of gems. Uh, you know, some players that are a little bit deeper, you might want to... Oh, no, you did not put this as the first player. Britt! Britt, you did I, not. It's kind of intriguing. It's okay. intriguing. And there is a caveat in there. There is a caveat. All right, so the, we're going to talk about the gems. <laughs> These are the players who you might want to sneak onto your rosters uh, before anybody else has a chance to, whether that's putting a dollar down, you know, in fab or wait until they, they process past waivers. We're going to talk about some of these players and uh, sorry. Uh, <laughs> Philip Lindsay. It's gross, but I mean, he changed teams. He got the carries. I mean, he's second behind Gaskin and he's facing the giants then a buy then the jets. So like if you're in a deep league and especially deep PPR leagues, like scoop him up and stash and see what happens. Like you don't, you don't have to invest any fab on him. If you're just kind of looking for some like wild card, like Charlie day style and always sunny to like wreck the competition when it, I mean, if, and when it happens, I mean, do it. Oh, no, I'm uh, not starting him. Don't get me wrong. I'm definitely not starting him, but his his workload and his first week there was like kind of intriguing. Oh man. Oh, Steven. Are you, are you stashing Phil Lindsay? Mm. <laughs> Everybody's getting it's sick. It's week 3.5 yards per carry. Come on now. If I was desperate, I needed running back depth. I mean, it's intriguing that he did get 12 carries. I mean, Gaskins hasn't, I mean, Gaskins looked good in fantasy, but he hasn't ran that well uh, this season here. Maybe Miami at some point wants to get Philip Lindsay the ball more. They did put a waiver claim in for, for a reason. So there is some positives towards it, but it's more of like you're not starting him anytime soon. Only thing unless, unless Gaskins gets hurt or they did, Miami makes a major switch at their running back position after the bye week. Are there any connections with the coaching tree over there and Miles Gaskin? I mean, I'm sorry, and Philip Lindsay. Don't believe so. 
into our coaching staff. You might want to look into that and see if there's any connection to the college ranks or when he was with Denver. So I'm kind of curious about that. Kind of curious, but maybe, maybe they made a couple phone calls and, you know, Bill O'Brien got in the ear of, uh, what's his name? I don't know. I can't, this is something as to where Phil Lindsay for me has always been, you know, non nookie outside of his rookie year. Uh, I know what it is. Uh, one of our <laughs> co-offensive coordinators, Eric Studsfell, he was with the, the Denver Broncos in 2019. There it I is. Phil Lindsay's rookie year, I believe. There it is. That's connection. That's, That's the one we were looking for. That's it. You, see, you're like a detective over there. You're a detective. Detective Steve. That You should change your name. Instead of Coach Steve, let's go with Detective Steve. <laughs> All right. So let's hop on to another one. Wait, Steve, do you have one that, that you'd like to bring to the forefront? Uh, yeah, actually, I would. Uh, I think if you're looking for a tight end situation, James O'Shaughnessy. Uh, you know, Britt mentioned briefly before uh, taking over the number one role, basically, for some reason in this offense. But James O'Shaughnessy, he's for some reason, I like him. I've always liked him. I feel like whenever he was the main tight end, he always seemed to kind of produce him, but then he got hurt all the time, unfortunately. Uh, but in two games that he's fully played, he's had five targets. And it seems like first game back from injury, he's already seen five targets. Dan Arnold is now out for the season here. If you're like desperate for a tight end situation, you could probably just wait until your waivers are done and just pick him up and see if he continues to see this workload the rest of the season. Yeah, I completely agree on that. I, I mean, on he, was, he was the focal point. Like I said, week one, he had eight targets. And then he got hurt week two, and then they did the trade for Dan Arnold. And then Dan Arnold came in and was like the team high target leader. So I have no reason to think that Urban Meyer is going to just suddenly adjust his his game scheme to scheme out the tight ends when O'Shaughnessy comes back. Yep, I like it. I, I can hop on board with that. Uh, Britt, who's your next person up? I have Josh Reynolds. So... He's only rostered in 0.3% of ESPN and 1% of Yahoo leagues, um, but he's led the team in offensive snaps the past two weeks at 90% and 88%. Um, the Thanksgiving game saw him get three receptions on five targets. He got 70 yards and a touchdown. I mean, that's crazy. That's crazy. And of course, like you don't want to chase points and whatever, but Reynolds has a report built in with Goff. They played together in LA with the Rams. So, with Swift out and there's no real clear cut wide receiver role. Like I think Reynolds can come in and like settle in as the wide receiver one, especially going forward. They're trying so hard to not be winless. I mean, <laughs> the tie doesn't really count, right? They want to, they want to win a game. And so I can see them being scrappy and, and using Reynolds to try to do that. Yeah. I actually, I, I like Reynolds. We talked about it briefly when the show started, I think that he's somebody that can't perform. And he's somebody that I'm willing to stash on the bench to see if he gets the targets. Uh, he's almost in like a Kendrick Bourne type situation where he's like, you know, almost no name. So nobody's really gunning for him. But, you know, as we get closer to the playoffs and he keeps performing, I think he's somebody that you want to pick up and have on your roster. So that's an excellent, excellent pick. I'm going to go with somebody that might be rostered. He's rostered in 36% of leagues, according to Sleeper. And uh, this is a player who, hell, we almost forget it because – he didn't do much with it, but he just saw 11 receptions for 53 yards. 
or 51 yards, I apologize. And then he had a rush for 27 yards on top of that. I mean, Rondo Moore, man, like he is so close to breaking out. He is so close to breaking out. He's right there on the edge and he hasn't done it yet. And he's, he's probably not going to do it this season in terms of having three or four games straight where he's producing because, you know, Kyle Murray's back. He can run the ball. He's not going to check it down as much as uh, McCoy was doing, et cetera. But I mean, I still think that, that we could see a higher level performance out of Rondo Moore where they script him in the offense more than what we've seen. And I think that they could use some of the guys on the outside to take away some pressure, allowing him to see some opportunities like we saw early in the season. Uh, you know, I think defenses are going to forget about him just as much as we have kind of forgot about him. And I, I could see him actually being a guy that I want to roster as we sit there and we look at Chicago and so far up against wide receivers, the Rams who allow run wide receivers underneath to get targets. We've talked about it now three times tonight, Detroit, and then Indianapolis and then Dallas up against Jordan Lewis to cap off your fantasy championship. <laughs> Give me Rondell Moore up against Jordan Lewis, baby. Let's go, Britt. You know I love that matchup. I am I am just slobbering all over the place oh, thinking God. about the matchup of Rondell Moore up against Jordan Lewis. It's going to be fire, baby. It's going to be fire. Fire. Uh, it's going to be gross. She's a Dallas fan. She's a Dallas fan. Oh, that makes sense now. <laughs> Right. No, I I really do like Rondell Moore. And I think, you know, even if Hopkins comes back, a lot of the coverage is going to be geared towards stopping him. And he's going to get double covered a lot. And then they're going to pull away from Moore. And, I mean, A.J. Green's kind of dusty still, right? Yeah. Yeah, all right. So what are the chances? Let me just hear your chances on, on Trayvon Diggs, right, covering Hopkins if he's healthy. And then having – Coverage over the top on AJ Green or or Christian Kirk to keep the the deep passes from from going down the field, and then Jordan Lewis getting stuck in one on one coverage up against Rondell Moore. Well, I actually like Kelvin Joseph or Israel Mukwamu to come in and uh, handle that in Week Seventeen. So, oh yeah, wait, you think that Lewis, Lewis is going to get replaced, or you think they're going to play more done? After, I, I don't think Lewis is going to get replaced. Honestly, I think that Anthony Brown after this week is going to get replaced, yeah, and they're sure. going to move Lewis to the outside, and then move like Joseph to the um, the slot corner, and then Mukwamu is like a strong safety. Yeah, I like it. I like it. All right, so let's hop on to your last person because this is somebody that I actually really liked. You know, your take on because it was somebody that I was thinking about putting as a gem, but you snagged him. So uh, let's hear who that is. So it's Jawan Jennings. I mean, San Francisco, there were, it was a couple weeks ago. Um, Brad Evans on Fade the Noise is like, Jawan Jennings' receiving yard prop is so high, and I don't understand why something happened. Like, they know more than we know. And I'm like, well, yeah, they do. <laughs> I mean, he's been the guy, right? Um, and yeah. Debo, Debo's injured. He played 37% of the snaps. He saw more snaps than Trent Sherfield. And he saw three targets, which was one more than George Kittle, which still blows my mind. I don't think that's going to be the status quo going forward. But with Debo out, he's definitely going to be in line for target share. And he caught a touchdown last week. Um, the upcoming schedule looks pretty damn tasty. He's at Seattle, at Cincy, which is probably the hardest of this the next five, but then versus Atlanta at Tennessee and versus Houston. So depending on how long Debo's out, 
I think Jennings is going to slide right into that role and he's going to have a major target share and a major role on this offense. Kyle Shanahan has been looking for this type of wide receiver now for so many years since Pierre Garçon left, right? Like he's been looking for this type of receiver and Juwan Jennings is nowhere close to ready. He's I'm not saying he's going to play, you know, an alpha role or anything like that. Like, please don't get me wrong, but they will script plays for him to play this alpha role, which they haven't had. You know, they thought that Jalen Hurd was going to get it. He's been hurt now for several years. And Juwan Jennings, you know, could have taken it over last year, but he was dealing with some minor injuries. And, I mean, like I talked about, he was more of a developmental prospect. So Juwan Jennings moving forward is somebody that I did not like in the draft, but he fits the ideal profile for Kyle Shanahan. Now, if Kyle Shanahan goes out and drafts wide receiver, you know, in the second or third round this upcoming year, you know, that's all to hell. But for dynasty rosters, I would at least stash Juan Jennings in hopes that he does carve out a role for himself as a prototypical X receiver that Kyle Shanahan covets so much. So as for the playoffs right now, I still want him on my roster. I'm even more, I'm feasting even heavier in dynasty. All right, Steve, do you have any other players or do you have a take on Juan Jennings? I do have one other player here and, and there's another tight end here. And this is maybe for deeper leagues or definitely DFS play over the next month of the season. But uh, Bevan Jordan from the Houston oh, Texans so here. Uh, he has played the last four games and he's had at least three targets in each of those games. And he's had two tight end one performances, mostly because he got caught a touchdown. You know, that's kind of how tight end ones work, basically. But he did play 60% of the snaps his first time this season after being around 30. And Danny Amendola, I believe, is banged up here. I think they had Jordan Aiken that's been gone for the last couple of weeks now. So he's been kind of working his way into this offense more. They don't have a lot of weapons here. And he's got a pretty good rest-of-season schedule for the rest of the season right now. You know, he's got Indy, Seattle, Jacksonville, the Chargers. And, again, he again he came coming out of the draft, he was just basically an athletic beast um, coming out of the draft here. And he seems to have found a, finally found a role in this offense with the Texans. And, if he could see maybe a couple more targets, uh, <laughs> he could be someone that you might want to keep your eyes on, especially if he's out there in dynasty leagues. For sure, if he's out there, go pick him up. But in redraft, it might be something that you might want to keep your eye on. <sighs> Let's man, get Chase know. a fan and some oxygen. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> I was getting really hot and bothered backstage. I don't know if, if you're listening to podcasts, but you know, that's what has happened. If you're listening, I'm very hot and bothered. Now, Brevin Jordan, somebody that's, that's really sexy, you know, moving forward for me. And he's somebody that I've stashed everywhere in dynasty leagues. I'm pretty sure I have him in almost every single league because he's somebody that reminded me almost exactly of Delaney Walker, a uh, big physical guy, uh, somebody that can run with the ball in their hands after the catch. Uh, you know, somebody that plays the ball more like a wide receiver than just tight end, but he can still block if asked to, although he was not asked to you know, this far in the season or in college, really. But he can do it when asked to. And when he does block, he gets really physical and he gets mean. Like, I mean, he's literally knocking guys out. If you go back and watch his, uh, not his college highlights, because they will never be in his college highlights. But if you go back and watch his college game film, you're going to see him just run and deck people over and over and over again. And they're fair blocks. It's not like he's blindsided them. He is literally just going up against guys and he's bowling them over. And he's mean while he's doing it which is my favorite, you know, aspect for Brevin Jordan. But uh, to be, you know, completely honest, he also carries the same injury history that Brevin Jordan carries, which makes me, I'm, I'm sorry, that Delaney Walker carries, which makes me extremely nervous because they're both physical. They both have the same exact tendencies. 
Uh, so moving forward, I mean, Brevin Jordan is definitely somebody that I want on my rosters. And for dynasty purposes, I absolutely want him on there. But I, I wouldn't go out and try and make, you know, an acquisition for him necessarily. I would, you know, if he's on your rosters, I'd get him. I'd hold him as back end hope. But I would also be very, very, uh, I'd be easier to drop him for redraft if somebody comes available that I actually really want. Absolutely. All right. Is that it? We done? We're done. We're done. Yeah. This is yeah. a long one. It was almost as long as, as last week. Uh, we need to figure out a way to cut this down when we have three people on. Oh, last week was so much longer, though. We did a good job <laughs> cutting it down today. <laughs> Not talking about Evan Ingram, you might you might be okay. <laughs> yeah, true story, true story. Oh, man. All right, Steve, where can we find you, man? Where can all the good people go to uh, listen to your content and, and find your uh, find your info? Yeah, absolutely. So um, our main Twitter page is uh, the Fantasy Coaches over at Coaches Fantasy. You can follow us there, ask us any fantasy questions. We, you know, we podcast a couple times a week. So uh, just here to help you guys win championships. Love it. Britt, what you got going on? Well, you can find me at Twitter at Britt underscore Flynn. Um, obviously, this podcast, I do a weekly uh, DFS value article on finding chance fantasy. I do a weekly post waiver article on fantasy intervention here lately. And then every Sunday morning I do a start sit slash injury podcast um, with Kevin Tompkins and Gary Haddow called the calm before the storm. Absolutely. Love it. Love it. And yeah, I'm stoked about your post waiver wire pickups. They're going to get even more relevant as we move forward and we work away into the playoffs because it's going to count so much more when you're able to find players after the waivers pass that will affect, you know, your semifinals or affect your finals. And you don't have to worry about trying to outbid somebody with limited, you know, fab dollars left on your, your, uh, your roster. So yeah, absolutely love it. And, and stoked for that. I'm excited for where we're going to go with this, this podcast. So I want to give everybody a quick heads up as we move into the off season, this waiver wire show is not going anywhere. It will just adjust slightly. Uh, Brit is a college fiend. And so we're going to take advantage of that, and we're going to explore some of the the college players. We're going to explore some of the uh, positional needs for teams. We're going to explore everything from quarterback additions to running back additions to wide receiver additions, coaching changes, everything that you all have. We're going to be exploring all of that in depth moving forward. That'll be on Tuesdays, 8 o'clock Eastern Standard Time, of course. And, yeah, Britt will be heading that once again because she's a superstar, and that's what she does. But yeah, I'm excited for it. So you guys can find all of my content over there at FF underscore intervention. You can find uh, join our circle or fantasy intervention over there at join our circle underscore on Twitter. You guys can find all of my content at fantasyintervention.com along with the dose score, fantasyintervention.com slash D-O-C-E. You guys can find my DFS articles over there at playerprofiler.com every Friday, if not Saturday, just in case it comes out a little bit late. And my rankings over there at DynastyNerds.com. If you join the Dynasty GM, where it'll actually help you manage some leagues, you will also get my, my rankings for Dynasty over there as well. Don't forget about TrophySmack.com, of course, where we actually have our fun articles that are coming out. My article came out today about waiver wires to trash. You can find that over there at TrophySmack.com. Top right corner says the Smack Zone. Go click on that, and all I do is trash people's takes on the waiver wire. Uh, you know, and, and who to pick up. Absolutely have a blast doing that. If you guys enjoyed what I had to say tonight, I am even more visual with more details in my actual articles themselves. So go check it out over there at trophysmack.com. And while you're there, buy a trophy. If you buy a trophy or a belt and you throw a ring in your cart with there, 
uh, with the trophy or belt, you'll actually get the $60 ring for free. That's right. You'll get the $60 ring for free. So go check it out. Trophysmack.com. Use promo code CIRCLE at checkout, and you will get a free ring. Thank you guys for listening, and thank you all for letting us intervene with your fantasy football life. Route.